Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the March Madness edition of the Bacon Bets podcast. We have a lot to get through, so I'm not going to waste too much time on an intro here. Uh, but I'm betting on every single March Madness game. Uh, I did this last year. I'm doing it again this year. Uh, so on this podcast, I'm going to start off by breaking down the first 32 games, so that includes the first four games that we played on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then uh, the other 28 first-round matchups. Uh, obviously, I can't handicap the games that are including the winners of the first four games, since we don't know what the matchups are, we don't know what the lines are. So for those games, I will be tweeting out my picks later in the week, or I'll make a video uh, or something like that, but for the other 32 games that we have lines for, my bets are officially locked in. I've been handicapping the bracket. I've been handicapping these matchups since it was released Sunday night. It is now Monday night at midnight, 12.06 a.m. when I'm finally done, and I finally get a chance to record this. So I'm going to be breaking down my best bet for all 32 games. I'm going to try to keep them the breakdowns quick, because obviously I have a lot of games to get through. And then I'm going to finish off by breaking down my bracket. So for those of you who don't care about betting on individual games, you just want help with your bracket, you want an educated opinion on how the bracket's going to go, check the uh, description and I will put in the timestamp for when I start talking about the bracket. Feel free to just skip ahead and I'll give you my full bracket breakdown and I will tell you what my bracket is. This year I've just made one bracket and I'm submitting that in the three different bracket pools that I'm in. No, I'm not going to do different brackets. That is a... Um, I think that kind of ruins the fun because then you run into situations where it's like, well, in this bracket, I need this team to win, but in my other bracket, I need the other team to win. It kind of takes the fun out of it. So one bracket, I'll be breaking it down in the second half of this episode, but the first half I'll be breaking down my best bet for the first 32 games. So like I said, I did do this last year. It is 66 total games in March Madness. Last year, I went 36 wins, 30 losses for plus 5.72 units. So I was profitable last year. That is, once again, the goal. Just like in the NFL, my goal by betting on every single game is to be profitable at the end. That is my goal with March Madness. Uh, So I think that is it. Let's get into it. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Rate it, review it. Share it for anyone else who's interested in either filling out a bracket or betting on March Madness. I've done the work. I have about 2,600 words, I believe, worth of notes. No, 2,931 words worth of notes. Uh, (laughs) Very tired and I have an early morning, so I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into the official March Madness episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Let's go. No, Lisa. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 
Alrighty, let's get into them. I'll be going through game by game by chronological order, at least I believe it is chronological. I went in order of what the books were listed at my sports book. Um, and as always, I have three sports books I choose from. I took the best line, uh, and I'll let you know what those lines are. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure these are chronological. If I have a couple of reversed or a couple flipped, I apologize. Uh, I'm not going to have these timestamps for each individual game put in the description when this is released on Tuesday morning because I, I got to get to bed so I just don't have the time to go through and take all the notes. Um, but I will have those up at some point. So if it's later on in the week, I might have those timestamps up for each individual game. So if you're listening to this Friday morning, you should be able to skip ahead to just the Friday games. Uh, but let's start, obviously, with the first four. Uh, by the way, I don't think they should have 16 seeds, and I think I said this last year too. I don't think they they should have 16 seeds playing in the in the first four games. They won their conferences. They should have an automatic bid into the actual tournament, which I know first four is technically part of the actual tournament. I don't think it is. Uh, with that being said, the first game that we're looking at is the 16 versus 16 matchup between Texas A&M Corpus Christi and Texas Southern. I'm going to be taking Texas A&M C and C. At plus three and a half here as an underdog. I mean these sixteen I mean these sixteen versus sixteen games are, are kind of tough to handicap because because I mean let's be honest, both teams stink. This I might be big braining myself a little bit with this pick. And this is out of all the games, this is probably the most complicated handicap of all of them. But Texas AM does this weird thing where they're their whole game plan is based around fouls. So 24.2% of the points scored against Texas A&M Corpus Christi come from free throws. That is the seventh highest mark in the country. Also, the majority of their points come from free throws. I didn't. I forgot to write down the exact, but they rank like top. They, they were like 15th or 17th or something like that, and the in the highest percentage of their points scored from. So all the points scored against them come from free throws. All the points they score come from free throws. They are 350th and fouls per possession. So they foul on 28.7% of their opponent's possessions, which is insane. But they're also 20th in opponent fouls per possession. So if you can kind of keep up here, Texas A&M's Corpus Christi's entire game plan is we're going to foul you so you better hit your free throws and we're going to force you to foul us. Which is a... I don't know if they consciously have that as their game plan, but I mean, that's... That's what the numbers show. It's it's crazy. The amount of fouls in their games are insane on both sides. So my handicap for this game is okay. If this if this game is just going to be a foul fest, who's better from the line? Well, Texas A&M Corpus Christi is 65th in free throw percentage, hitting at a rate of 75% from the line. Texas Southern, one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country, 319th, only hitting at 67.1%. So Texas A&M Corpus Christi basically says if you want to score against us, it's going to be at the line, and Texas Southern can't hit free throws. That might be big-braining this, but I mean, the rest of the stats, they're, they're kind of similar to each other. It's a small spread. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see if this just turns into a foul fest. And if it does, it kind of favors Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So I'll take them plus 3.5 points against Texas Southern. The second... Uh, play-in game, the most intriguing one, fantastic matchup when I got so excited when they announced this, although I think Indiana kind of deserved to be in the tournament without a play-in game, I think this should be Wyoming against Michigan, personally, uh, but we got Wyoming versus India going to be, India, Indiana going to be a fantastic game, I will take Wyoming, 
plus the four points. I got this at minus 105. By the way, uh, if I don't say what the juice is while recording this and making a pick, it's minus 110. I'll only say the juice if it's different from minus 110. Uh, so I got Wyoming plus four, minus 105. This is just kind of a respect bet for Wyoming. I made a lot of money betting on Wyoming this season. And to be honest, both them and Indiana are very similar in a lot of areas. I think this is going to be a last possession game. Wyoming 73rd in effective field goal percentage, Indiana 117th. Um, so Wyoming is a little bit of a better shooting team. Indiana's biggest strength is their interior defense. That's kind of where their uh, bread is buttered. 7th in opponent 2-point field goal percentage, but they're 122nd in opponent 3-point field goal percentage. So if you want to beat Indiana, you can do it on the perimeter. And Wyoming is 89th in 3-point shot rate. So I think a little bit of a stylistic advantage. Uh, it works in Wyoming's favor. Everything else is razor thin, though. So anytime you get a super close matchup, I'll take the team getting the points. Now, it is going to be interesting what happens with Mountain West teams. Everyone's loving Mountain West this year. I love Mountain West this year. But I love Mountain West last year, too. And there were two teams from the Mountain West last year that were in the tournament, Utah State and San Diego State. And I had them both going far, and they both got their asses kicked in the first round. San Diego State, I believe, lost to um, Syracuse, and Utah State lost to Texas Tech. Uh, and say, and say, Utah State was an underdog. San Diego State was a big favorite, and they got demolished by Syracuse. So as much as everyone's loving the Mountain West, I am cautious. And I don't have any Mountain West team going far. I have a couple of them winning in the first round. I don't have any of them going far. Last year kind of bummed me out about the Mountain West. So that's kind of my opinion about that conference. But I do have them at least covering the four-point spread against Indiana uh, in the first four game. Next up, we have 16 seed versus 16 seed. The other one, Bryant, plus 3.5, minus 105 against Wright State. Super quick, super easy handicap. Bryant, 45th in three-point shot rate. Wright State, 190th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. Wright State, 64th in two-point shot rate. Bryant, 64th in opponent two-point field goal percentage. So, you got a three-point shooting team matching up against a team that does not have good perimeter defense. And you have a two-point shoot team shooting team matching up against a team with a good interior defense. So, I'll take the team getting the points in Bryant with three, getting three and a half points because they have the stylistic advantage. And in my opinion, when handicapping March Madness games, because teams are uh, in different conferences, stylistic matchups should be the first thing you look at. Because sometimes stats are a little bit misleading based on level of competition. And then the final fi uh, first four game, Notre Dame against Rutgers. This is my first total bet of the board. I'm going over 132. I think the spread is right. I think this game is a coin flip game, so I'm going to look at the total instead. And it's because both teams' strengths on offense match up against both teams' uh, weaknesses on defense. Notre Dame, three-point shooting team, 56th in three-point shot rate. Rutgers, 202nd in opponent three-point field goal percentage. And 34.9% of the points scored against Rutgers come from three-point range. That is 299th in the country. Same is true on the opposite spectrum. Rutgers is a two-point shooting team, 44th in two-point shot rate. Notre Dame, 179th in opponent two-point field goal percentage. And 56.6% .6 of points scored against them come from two-point range. That is 336th in the country. So a good perimeter offense against a bad perimeter defense, a good interior offense against a bad interior defense. Also, Notre Dame, underrated shooting team, 
28th in effective field goal percentage, and both teams are top 125 in floor percentage. Floor percentage is a stat I cited a lot the past couple years. I stayed away from it a little bit this year, but I'm going to use it in this tournament when evaluating totals. What floor percentage is, is the percentage of a team's possessions that result in at least one point being scored. So if a team goes down and gets fouled and hits one of the free throws, then that counts as a uh, mark towards floor percentage. Uh, you want your possessions to end in points, so I, I, I think I overused it last year, and that was one of my mistakes during the regular season, but I think it is a good stat when measuring totals. Uh, and like I said, they're both ranked in the top 125. So I'll go Notre Dame, Rutgers over 132 in the final first four game. Then we are on to Thursday's slate. Michigan against Colorado State. This is a coin flip game. I don't have a strong feel one way or the other, to be completely honest. I am going to go with Michigan minus two and a half. And really, it just comes down to I don't trust the Mountain West. I think they are deceiving. Maybe I'm just overthinking it because of what happened last year. And I put so much stock into those two teams last year from the Mountain West, and they killed me. Um, but I don't know, Colorado State, I mean, Michigan's big, biggest issue is, is defense, 231st in defense, defensive efficiency, but Colorado State's also struggled on defense with a much easier schedule. Also, Michigan 59th in two-point shot rate, Colorado State 210th and opponent two-point field goal percentage. So I think Hunter Dickinson, this Michigan State team, I think they can pound the rock down low against Colorado State. I will take them to cover the two-and-a-half-point spread. Providence against South Dakota State. So this is an interesting one because this is South Dakota State is a mid-major team that everyone is all over. Um, that is, uh, it's a mid-major team that everyone thinks has a chance to go on a run in this tournament, and now they're t- playing a Providence team that everyone thinks is overrated and fraudulent. Uh, now I've given my opinions about Providence before. I think they are a good team, than better team than people think. I think the narrative is overblown. Did they have a better record than they probably deserved in the regular season? Yes. But they're still a very good team. And I will say, South Dakota State is the best shooting team in the country right now. First in effective field goal percentage. But their defense stinks. And that's going to be... Bad defenses are going to cost you when you play against teams from power conferences. Which, I, I mean... I don't think it's an official term, but can we just call the six top conferences in college basketball the Power Six? I mean, you'd say the Power Five, but then you'd be leaving out the Big East, and I think the Big East belongs there. Um, so South Dakota State is 249th in opponent effective field goal percentage and 241st in defensive efficiency. So you can hit all the shots you want like South Dakota State has this year, but it's going to be tough to win games if you can't stop the other team from hitting their shots. Providence is also 40th in opponent effective field goal percentage against much better competition. So, I mean, if if South Dakota State can't slow down Summit League opponents, good luck against Providence, whereas Providence could slow down Big East teams. So, I think the advantage goes towards Providence here. Can South Dakota win this game? Yes. But I I don't think this spread is right. I would set Providence as like a a 4.5 point favorite, and it's all the way down at 2. And I think that's largely due to the public narrative about South Dakota State and about Providence. So, I'll take the Friars, minus two. Moving on, we got my first underdog Moneyline pick of the first round. I'm taking Boise State, plus 125 against Memphis. I cannot trust Memphis 
in this tournament whatsoever. It's the same reason why I've bet on them quite often this college basketball season. They turn the ball over 352nd in turnovers per possession. That is the 7th highest turnover rate in the entire country. That's not going to... You can't win games turning the ball over that much, especially when you take on teams like Boise State, who are very good defensively. 22nd in defensive efficiency, 73rd in opponent turnovers per possession. So for those reasons alone, I will not be betting on Memphis. I know I just said my piece about the Mountain West Division, but to be fair, they're playing another mid-major team in Memphis. So I think Boise State pulls off the upset here. Plus 125 on the money line, not even going to mess around with the spread. I can't bet on the Tigers with how much they turn the ball over. I just can't in good conscience because I can envision myself betting on them and then me watching their game and them coughing the ball up on every turnover and me... Uh, jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. So not going to happen. I'll take Boise State plus 125. Uh, then we got the first 1 verse 16 seed game to talk about here. Norfolk State against Baylor. Um, I tweeted this out tonight. Um, I said, what if what if I said Norfolk State is going to become the second 16 seed to beat a 1 seed? Now, I'm not making Norfolk State money line my official bet. I think I might sprinkle a little bit um, on them before tip-off, though. Hear me out. 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 I think we can all agree Baylor's the weakest number one seed this year. They've had some injury issues. They have a couple holes in a couple areas. They lost to some... I th- They lost to some not-so-good teams this year, right? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Let me look that up really quick. Sorry for just typing in your ear. I had the sentence halfway on my mouth, and I was like, wait, did they? I've looked through so many games uh, tonight and last night that I don't even remember. Well, they lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma State earlier in the year. Oklahoma State's certainly not a good team. Uh, they undefeated in their own conference schedule, though. So, regardless, Norfolk State is a very good 16th seed. Very good. 106th in effective field goal percentage compared to Baylor at 54th. 20th in defensive efficiency, Baylor 15th. 56th in rebounding, Baylor 30th. So Baylor does have an advantage in all those stats, but usually when you look at 16 seeds, like the ones in the first four games, they're not good really anywhere, and they have a few spots that have glaring weaknesses. But this Norfolk State team, kind of tricky. Now, I will say Norfolk State does turn the ball over a lot, which is a big concern for me. If I'm looking at an upset, usually I want a team that doesn't cough the ball up. Um, But... Norfolk State's 277th in turnovers per possession. So a little bit of a concern there. Like I said, I'm not giving out Norfolk State money line here, but 21.5 points, I think that's a great bet. I think it stays definitely within 20-point mark. I'll take Norfolk State plus 21.5. I got minus 105 odds at that as well. So that was fantastic. Um, Another actually interesting point, my last point about this game. 55.4% of points scored against Baylor come from two-point range. That is the 312th uh, ranking in the country. So teams can attack this Baylor team down low, and Norfolk State does lean towards a two-point shot. So, I don't know, man. I think, I mean, it's crazy to even predict a 16 seed to win, but at the very least, I think they're going to keep it somewhat competitive. I think there's going to be... In the second half, I think like there's going to be like an oh shit moment, but then Baylor will will likely kind of pull away near the end. But I think they'll keep it within 20 points. Norfolk State plus 21 and a half, minus 105 against Baylor. 
Longwood against Tennessee, taking the big underdog here as well. Longwood plus 17. I just don't know if Tennessee is good enough to pull away and win this game by a lot. I don't think offensively, I should say, they're good enough. Actually, Longwood is better offensive numbers. Obviously, whenever I cite these numbers, you have to take into consideration strength of schedule. These are not adjusted numbers. They're just flat numbers. But Longwood does rank higher. 101st in effective field goal percentage compared to Tennessee at 158th. 44th in offensive efficiency compared to Tennessee at 95th. 42nd in floor percentage, which I talked about earlier, Tennessee 129th. Also, Longwood, decent at not turning it over. 155th in turnovers per possession. Not great, but certainly not bad. Obviously, Tennessee is one of the best defensive teams in the country. But I think Longwood kind of matches up well with them. I would set this line, I think, closer to around 15. I think we're getting about two points of value here, which is pretty good. That's some very good value, in my opinion. Uh, so I will take Longwood plus 17 against the Volunteers. Then we got Iowa against Richmond. Another total bet here. I'm just going to go over 150.5. I think the spread is set right. I think it's at 10.5. I think it opened at 9. I didn't jump on Iowa at that time. I think that's what it, that that I think the value was on Iowa at 9. But now that it's up to 10.5, that value is gone in my opinion. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the over. I think it's a pretty safe bet to bet on the over in Iowa games in this tournament because they are. I mean, they're a perfect over team. Fifth in the country in field goal attempts per game. Uh, they're much better offensively than defensively. 33rd in effective field goal percentage. 171st in opponent effective field goal percentage. And they also don't turn the ball over. They don't waste possessions. Richmond is similar in the sense that they're better offensively than defensively. 105th in effective field goal percentage. 199th in opponent effective field goal percentage. Richmond is also top 103 point shot rate. So if they do get hot from three, I think this total goes way over. So Iowa Richmond over 150 and a half. Gonzaga against Georgia State. Easy bet. Gonzaga minus 23.5. George Gonzaga, second in the country in effective field goal percentage at 59.4%. Georgia State is 344th. This is a 16 seed. This is what... <laughs> this is... I just cited Norfolk State and their pretty impressive stats. This is what a 16 seed usually looks like. 344th in effective field goal percentage. There is a 14.3% difference in effective field goal percentage between Gonzaga and Georgia State. Georgia State's not even really that good uh, defensively. 170th an opponent effective field goal percentage. Gonzaga might win this game by 50 points. Easy. Gonzaga minus 23.5. UNC Marquette. This is a tough one. Uh, a lot of stats actually favor Marquette. But I do like UNC minus 3. And I might have just been persuaded by watching them live. I love their uh, power forward, Brady Manick. I'm all about Manick mania. Just an absolute beast out there. Um, but what I think is going to be the story of this game is rebounding. UNC is 6th in rebounding in the country. Marquette 309th. Marquette can win if they get the 3 ball going because UNC's perimeter defense isn't very good. But I can't look past those rebounding numbers. And I love Brady Manick. So give me UNC minus 3 against Marquette. UConn, New Mexico State. This is another popular uh, underdog spot for Sharps. And when you look at New Mexico State, they are very good offensively. They're very good defensively. They can shoot. They can defend. But, and I kind of briefly mentioned this in the past, if I'm looking for a team to pull off an upset or to at least keep it close against one of these better teams like a UConn or like, you know, a Big 12 team or a Big 10 team or an ACC team, I think those teams that are able to pull off upsets need to be able to not turn the ball over and they need to be able to force turnovers. 
because they need to not waste possessions and they need to make the other team waste possessions because if possessions end in shots, the more talented team is likely going to win the game. This is where my issue is with New Mexico State. As good as they are shooting, as good as they are in some defensive areas, they are 317th in the country in turnovers per possession, 267th in opponent turnovers per possession. UConn is 32nd in defensive efficiency, 102nd in turnovers. So they're going to have to shoot the lights out and hope UConn has a bad game if they want to stay in it because they're going to waste possessions with turnovers and they're not going to make UConn waste any of their possessions. So that's not a good recipe for an upset. I think of Abilene Christian last year against Texas. That was a team that was the best team in forcing turnovers and they were pretty good at holding onto the ball and they were able to pull off an upset against a Texas team that was bad at turnovers. I don't think this smells upset to me. I'll take UConn minus seven. Uh, Kentucky against St. Peter's. Super quick um, handicap here. Going to take Kentucky minus 18. Uh, St. Peter's is very good defensively, so you might want to look towards the under, but their offense is so bad. 273rd in effective field goal percentage, 312th in turnovers, 346th in fouls. They foul all the time as well. Kentucky's just too skilled, too talented, and even though St. Peter's has good defensive numbers, they haven't played a team like Kentucky. Those are good defensive numbers against the, what is it, the Metro Athletic Atlantic or Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Not going to be good enough defense to hold back this Kentucky team, and their offense will not be able to keep pace. So I'll take Kentucky minus 18. Uh, San Diego State against Creighton. I'm going to back San Diego State here. All-time bad stylistic matchup for Creighton. Creighton has two glaring holes that has plagued them all season. They're going to cost them in this game. They enter the tournament ranking 304th in the country in turnovers per possession. They cough the ball up on almost 20% of their possessions, and now they face arguably one of the best defensive teams in all of college basketball. San Diego State ranks first in defensive efficiency, 29th in opponent turnovers. Expect Creighton to cough up the ball a lot in this game. The other glaring weakness for Creighton is their three-point shooting, 314th in three-point field goal percentage. They only hit at a rate of 30.7% with the three-point shots, and that's the only way to beat the San Diego State team because San Diego State's interior defense is the one of the best in the country. So nightmare, nightmare, nightmare matchup for Creighton. I will take San Diego State minus 2.5. Uh, Vermont against Arkansas. Give me Vermont. On the money line, plus 185. I think Arkansas is being largely overrated heading into this tournament. And Vermont is Vermont has the makings of a mid-major team they can go on a run. I know their conference kind of stinks. Uh, but Vermont, third in effective field goal percentage. Arkansas, 219th. Defensive efficiency, Vermont, 19th. Arkansas, 28th. Vermont, 18th in turnovers. They don't cough the ball up. That's perfect. Arkansas is 108th. If you're looking for a mid-major team to go on a run, you ought to look at stats. Because if they're going to be like, if they're like ranking in the middle of the country in a lot of the stats against weak competition, imagine how they're going to do against the against good teams and the top teams in the country. So for any mid-major team to even have a shot against some of the top teams, I want to see their stats, once again, non-adjusted stats, ranking near the top, and that's where Vermont ranks in almost everything. I think they are the perfect example 
of a mid-major team that can go on a run here. They were competitive with Providence in their own conference schedule. They did lose, but they were competitive against them. They beat a very good Colgate team. They were up at half against Maryland, but then ended up shooting the bed in the second half. Um, and I was talking to uh, Will Hill, not the Will Hill on Twitter. Uh, I was on his podcast tonight. Check that out uh, tomorrow as well, on Tuesday as well. Um, I'm sure I'll retweet it. But he brought up a good point as well. Vermont is very good in transition defense, one of the best transition defenses in the country, and that's how Arkansas gets the majority of their points. So I think this is a fantastic underdog spot if you're looking for an underdog, if you're looking for an upset. Vermont plus 185 against Arkansas. Uh, then we have Murray State against San Francisco. I'll take Murray State minus one and a half. Very similar numbers here and a lot of general stats. They're both top 20 in effective field goal percentage and defensive efficiency. Flip a coin for this game, whichever one you feel better. I'm not confident taking Murray State. The reason why I did, two key areas. San Francisco falls into foul trouble and turnover trouble on occasion. San Francisco 238th in fouls per possession compared to Murray State at 47th. And 163rd in turnovers compared to Murray State at 90th. Also, uh, Murray State forces some turnovers. 42nd opponent turnovers, so that, that could be a story in this game. But this is a coin flip game. I, I If you were taking San Francisco, I would not argue with you. But I will take Murray State minus 1.5. UCLA Akron, UCLA minus 13 and a half here. Generally, I think the Pac-12 is once again being underrated. I think it does have to do with a lot of people on the East Coast not staying up to watch these Pac-12 games. Remember last year, no one expected anything from the Pac-12, and then like like five of the Sweet 16 teams were Pac-12. One of them being this UCLA team that lost on a buzzer beater to Gonzaga, which I believe was in overtime too, I think. This UCLA team is very, very good. They're also being a little bit overshadowed by, by Arizona, but UCLA, I think, is truly one of the best teams in the country here. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about this game. Akron's 135th in defensive efficiency here. I think UCLA is going to just shoot the lights out against them. Give me the Bruins, minus 13 and a half. Uh, and that brings us to the end of Thursday's games. Uh, gonna take a quick break here. You might hear an ad, you might not, and then I'll be back with Friday's games. All right, we're back. Uh, so starting with Friday's games here, Ohio State against Loyola Chicago. I tweeted this out when the bracket was announced because one of the f- first things I saw when the bracket was announced was everyone on my Twitter feed saying they're gonna jump on Loyola Chicago. Now, me being a contrarian, I can't help but go the other way. I think people are overvaluing Loyola Chicago because of their past success in the tournament, because they made the Final Four there as a deep seed a few years ago, because they went on a run last year, or were they Elite Eight last year? I don't think they're that team. Let's not forget, they, they, they weren't even the regular season champions in their conference. They had to go on and win the conference tournament to, to get in this. I think they had like five losses inside their conference. And Ohio State, everyone hates on Ohio State. I don't necessarily know why. 22nd in the country in effective field goal percentage. One of the best shooting teams in the country. They have wins over Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Duke, Seton Hall. This Ohio State team is pretty solid, and I'm getting them out of Pickham against Loyola Chicago. I don't get it. I'm going contrarian because every single sports better I see is on Loyola Chicago, and I don't fully get it. 
and when everyone's on seems to be on a on a higher seed, that doesn't usually work out. I'm going to take Ohio State, pick them minus one ten. Auburn against Jacksonville State. Auburn minus fifteen and a half here. I'm in a lot of big favorites in the first round, which makes me nervous, especially with Auburn's lack of guard play. Obviously, they have Jabari Smith, one of the best players in the entire country. Uh, probably going to win college player of the year. Their guard play has been a big issue for them, though. But, I mean, this is Jacksonville State. This is a team that didn't even win their conference tournament. They got in because Bellarmine wasn't allowed to be in the tournament because they're a new D1 school. But Auburn's defense is is just going to overpower them here. Eighth in defensive efficiency. Uh, and now they take on a Jacksonville State team that ranks 256th in turnovers per possession. And Jacksonville State also likes the three ball, 63rd in three-point shot rate. And Auburn is 59th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. So might seem like it's a lot of points to lay here, but I, I think Jabari Smith's just, just going to take over this team. I don't think anyone can match up with Jabari Smith on Jacksonville State. So I'll take Auburn minus 15.5. Next game, another big favorite on a team that I don't generally like this season, and that's Texas Tech. But I am going to lay the 15 points on them uh, against Montana State. Because I think for any team to hang with Texas Tech to beat Texas Tech, they have to be able to at least somewhat match up with them defensively. And they have to be able to force turnovers because Texas Tech's glaring weakness is turnovers. Unfortunately, Montana State does neither of those things well. 98th in opponent effective field goal percentage. 182nd an opponent turnovers per possession. That is not good enough to hang with this Texas Tech team. I think the Red Raiders will completely shut them down, arguably one of the best defenses in the country, and should be able to do enough against the Montana State defense to cover the spread. So I'll take Texas Tech minus 15. Keep the big spreads rolling. I'm going to keep laying the points here. Purdue, Yale. Purdue minus 15.5. I think if there's any Ivy League school... That could have hung around and potentially pulled off an upset in the first round of the tournament. I think it was Princeton. I think they were statistically far and away the best Ivy League team. Unfortunately, they didn't get in because they blew it against Yale in the Ivy League championship game. Um, But for that reason, I mean, Yale is not really impressive. 170th in effective field goal percentage, 103rd in defensive efficiency, 173rd in turnovers, 159th in rebounding, 189th in opponent turnovers. So basically middle of the pack in the country in almost every single major statistic. But they played in the Ivy League. So those are unadjusted numbers against Ivy League teams. Good luck against Purdue, who's fourth in the country in effective field goal percentage. The best, one of the best shooting teams in all the country. Makes me a little nervous because these Ivy League schools have historically been kind of feisty in the first round. But like I said, if it's Princeton playing this game, different story. I don't trust Yale, though. Give me Purdue. Minus 15 and a half. Villanova, Delaware. Laying the points again. Villanova minus 15 and a half here. I think they're going to be able to make it rain against this Delaware team. We all know Villanova's a three-point shooting team. 12th, I believe they are. Either 12th or 22nd in three-point shot rate. Delaware, 258th in opponent three-point field goal percentage, 222nd in defensive efficiency. Also a big rebounding advantage. Villanova, 86th in rebounding rate. Delaware, 235th. Also important to note that Villanova is the best free-throw shooting team in the country. They rank first in free-throw shooting percentage. That's going to prove to be uh, very important in winning games in the tournament and in covering spreads late. Nothing more frustrating than being on a favorite that can't hit their free throws and allowing a backdoor cover. So Villanova is going to be a sports better's friend in this tournament. Minus 15.5 against Delaware. Uh, USC against Miami. 
Uh, Miami was a team who, when I did my original draft of my bracket, I had them advancing, but then I switched once I handicapped the game. So I'm going to take USC minus one and a half in this game. This is a stylistic nightmare for Miami. The story of this game is going to be the interior play of both teams. 55.5% of USC's points uh, and 54.2% of Miami's points come from two-point field goals. That's the 58th and 87th highest marks in the country. So we have two teams who get the majority of their points down low. So then what do we need to do? We need to look at how they do in defending shots down low. USC, second best team in the country in opponent two-point field goal percentage, keeping teams to shooting just 41.7% from down low. Miami, 325th in two-point field goal percentage, allowing teams to shoot 53.9% from two-point range. That's a difference of 12.2%. So that is the story in this game, in my opinion, is the interior defense of the two teams. USC has a massive advantage. And this is also evident when you look at rebounding. USC ranks 25th in rebounding. Miami ranks 313th. The Trojans will win. They will cover this game with their dominance in the interior. Give me USC minus one and a half. Uh, Virginia Tech versus Texas. If there is one game that I would not know the outcome of, that I think is the hardest game to handicap, it is this game. I've gone back and forth on this one, so what I've actually decided to do is I'm going to take Virginia Tech out of respect for them winning me my ACC bet of 11-1 to to win the ACC, but in my bracket, I'm going to take Texas. I know that makes no sense, but that's what I've decided to do because I know no matter what I do, it's going to be the wrong thing, and I'm going to feel like an idiot. So instead, I'm just going to do one of each uh, Virginia Tech to bet and Texas in my bracket. I know that does not help you listeners whatsoever, but there's areas that Texas is a lot better in, and then there's areas that Virginia Tech is better in. So, like, what, which stats do you value more? Virginia Tech is hot. They have the momentum, but Texas defense is very good. Um, and Virginia Tech in their ACC tournament run, they didn't really face a strong defense. In fact, all the teams they played were kind of weak defensively. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fare against a Texas team that ranks 12th in defensive efficiency. But Texas runs into foul trouble, and their shooting is bad at times. So complete coin flip. I mean, the point spread kind of proves that. So like I said, I'm betting on Virginia Tech for the sake of betting and for the sake of my record when picking March Madness games. My bracket, I will take Texas. Probably a stupid strategy, but that's what I'm doing. Chattanooga against Illinois. I'm going to take Chattanooga plus the points. I've got eight points uh, for Chattanooga against Illinois. I do think Illinois wins this game. I think Chattanooga can keep it competitive, mainly due to their lack of turnovers and the perimeter defense. So Illinois ranks 66th in three-point shot rate. Chattanooga ranks 36th in opponent three-point field goal percentage, keeping teams to shooting just 30.6% from beyond the arc. And also Chattanooga. Like I will keep saying, if you're looking for an underdog to at least keep it close, they need to not cough the ball up. Chattanooga is 79th in turnovers per possession. Uh, so that's a good sign there. And they're also 58th in effective field goal percentage. So pretty good shooting team there in Chattanooga as well. Chattanooga plus 8 against Illinois. Duke against CS Fullerton. This might be my quickest breakdown. The Big West sucked this year. As someone who claims to be a UC Irvine fan, I watched that conference a little bit. 
CS Fullerton was probably the third best team in that conference. They ended up winning. The only team that could have been competitive in the first round uh, matchup in this tournament was uh, UC Santa Barbara, but they lost on a buzzer beater in the tournament to Long Beach. CS Fullerton, 216th in effective field goal percentage, 121st in defensive efficiency, 157th in turnovers, 144th in rebounding. Duke will blow them out. And I think this is a good buy low spot on Duke, by the way. I kind of like them to win the region at 5-1 to one, and maybe even a dark horse pick to win it at all at 14-1. to one. Um, People, when they think of Duke now, when they're filling out the brackets and placing their bets, they're going to think of the Duke team that lost to UNC in their last game. They're going to think of the Duke team that lost to Virginia Tech in the ACC Championship. But make no mistake about it, this Duke team is very talented. And they have few holes. Maybe the perimeter defense isn't great. Uh, maybe they don't force a lot of turnovers, but I think they blow uh, CS Fullerton out of the water here. Duke minus 18 and a half. Uh, we got an under bet, and I think this might be my only under bet of the first round. Iowa State against LSU under 126. I actually got a bad number at it. Uh, on it, I locked this bet in this morning, Monday morning, and when I went to go uh, start recording, I re-looked at where all the numbers were now, and it's at 127. So lost a point of value, but oh well. But these two teams are similar in a lot of ways. They both struggle on the offensive side of the court, but are dominant defensively. Iowa State ranks 181st in effective field goal percentage. LSU ranks 201st. And then if you look defensively, both in the top 20 in the country in defensive efficiency. The Tigers come in 6th. The Cyclones are coming in at 18th. Both teams also turn the ball over to high rate, ranking in the bottom 100 in turnovers per possession, um, which is good. If possessions don't end in shots, that's good for an under. And Iowa State plays a pretty slow pace of play. 261st in field goal attempts per game. So I'm going to be looking at the under. If you want a side, I'd say Iowa State and the points just because these two teams are similar. I don't really have anything to separate the two. Uh, But I will be taking the under 126. Houston UAB. Uh, I will take uh, lay the points with Houston again. I've got a lot of favorites on Friday. Houston minus 8.5. UAB is good, there's no doubt about that, but I think Houston is actually being undervalued. I think both these teams got screwed when it comes to seeding. Because Houston should be a higher seed, and now they have a tough matchup in UAB, and UAB is a very good mid-major team that should be playing against a true 5 seed, but now they're playing against a Houston team that I think is deserving of a 3 seed at least. Uh, Houston, no real weaknesses in just about anything. Top 50 in almost every single stat. They're third in the country in average scoring margin, beating a team, beating teams by an average of 16.9 points. Uh, and also, good stylistic matchup for Houston as well. This is what put it over the top for me. UAB 67th and two-point shot rate, so a lot of their offense comes down low. Houston is ninth in opponent two-point field goal percentage, fifth in block percentage. Very tough to get anything down low against this Houston team that is a very big, tall, and lengthy team. So I'll take Houston, minus 8.5 against UAB. Uh, Michigan State and Davidson. I am going to take Michigan State minus 1 here. I know this, what I'm about to say, is a stupid tinfoil hat theory. I'm embarrassed that I'm actually legitimately using this in my handicapping because I make fun of people who usually do this. But I do think that there's a bit of a strong chance that the NCAA wants a Duke versus Michigan State round of 32 game. There's a reason, I think, that they're right next to each other in the bracket. Coach K against Tom Izzo one more time. How good would that be uh, for the viewership? For the viewership numbers. 
Now, is that actually going to have an effect on the game? Did the NCAA tell the referees for this game that, hey, we kind of want Michigan State to win this? Probably not, but maybe. 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 Also, uh, David's defense does kind of concern me, to be fair, if we get back to stats here. 143rd in defensive efficiency. Michigan State's kind of an underrated shooting team. They're top 100 in effective field goal percentage, and both teams are very good from beyond the arc. Davidson is 8th in three-point field goal percentage. Michigan State is 18th, but... Michigan State defends the three a lot better, 60th and opponent three-point field goal percentage compared to Davidson at 192nd. So Davidson could certainly win this game. I do think the spread is a little short, though. I think we're getting a couple points of value here. So I will take Michigan State minus one against Davidson. Um, biggest upset of the first round, I have this money line locked in. You guys probably know what I'm going to say here. And that is Colgate, plus 260 against Wisconsin. I've been on my soapbox all season claiming Wisconsin is the most fraudulent team in the country. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't bet Colgate Moneyline here. Wisconsin's biggest weakness, like I said, I've been talking about Wisconsin a lot this season. I've been writing about them, talking about them in videos, on radio, podcasts, everything. They can't shoot. 259th in effective field goal percentage. I know Johnny Davis is there. He's good. So imagine how bad their effective field goal percentage would be with Johnny Davis not there. And just look at how bad they've been when he's off the court. So they're a bad shooting team. And now they're taking on Colgate, who ranks 11th in effective field goal percentage. Not only that, but over each team's last three games, no team has shot better than Colgate who has an effective field goal percentage of 66.6% over that span. That's leagues above Wisconsin, whose effective field goal percentage over that same span is 42.5%. That's what, like a 24% difference over each team's last three games? Neither team is great defensively, 111th and 127th in defensive efficiency, so pretty much a wash there. But Colgate reminds me of last year's Oral Roberts team, a very good shooting team, and these teams that are very good shooting can beat teams as long as they have an A game, especially when they're playing against a Wisconsin team that can't shoot. So my favorite upset of the first round, my biggest upset of the first round, Colgate plus 260 against Wisconsin. And then finally, the last game on the board that I have available to us now is Seton Hall and TCU. I'm going to take Seton Hall. It is a pick em, minus 110. Very similar in a lot of areas, uh, but a couple key things that make me lean Seton Hall. Um, uh, yeah, so they're similar. 230th and 281st effective field goal percentage, 46th and 59th in defense efficiency. So... Those general numbers are very close, but TCU, 55th in two-point shot rate. They face a Seton Hall defense that is 17th in opponent two-point field goal percentage. So an interior offense takes on a very good interior defense. And then turnovers. Seton Hall, 114th in turnovers. TCU, 339th. I will admit I might be overvaluing turnovers in my handicapping process this year. Um, but it's my strategy. I'm sticking to it, and we'll see how it works out for me. So there are all my picks. I will quickly recap them all at once here. Whew, okay, here we go. Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, plus 3.5. Wyoming, plus 4. Bryant, plus 3.5. Notre Dame Rutgers, over 132. Michigan, minus 2.5. Providence, minus 2. Boise State, plus 125. Norfolk State, plus 21.5. 
Longwood plus 17, Iowa Richmond over 150.5, Gonzaga minus 23.5, UNC minus 3, Yukon minus 7, Kentucky minus 18, San Diego State minus 2.5, Vermont plus 185, Murray State minus 1.5, UCLA minus 13.5, Ohio State Pickham. Auburn minus 15.5, Texas Tech minus 15, Purdue minus 15.5, Villanova minus 15.5, USC minus 1.5, Virginia Tech minus 105, Chattanooga plus 8, Duke minus 18.5, Iowa State LSU under 126, Houston minus 8.5, Michigan State minus 1, Colgate plus 260, Seton Hall minus 110. All right, quick break. You may or may not hear an ad. And then uh, I'm going to be back with my bracket breakdown. Uh, right, here we go. Bracket breakdown. My official bracket reveal. I don't even have it up right now. Why don't I have it up? Uh, all right, here we go. I'm just going to quickly go region by region. I will let you know right now that my bracket is very square, especially the final four. It's embarrassingly square. I might regret it, but this is what I have. We'll start with the West region. Obviously, Gonzaga over Georgia State. Boise State over Memphis. UConn over New Mexico State. I do have Vermont upsetting Arkansas. I have the winner of Rutgers-Notre Dame beating Alabama. That is not a game that I talked about, obviously, because the first four games still has to go. Alabama is the worst team against the spread heading into the tournament of all tournament teams. Um, They've lost some bad games this year. They're inconsistent. If they get hot from three, they can beat anyone, but they rarely, rarely do. So I'm going to take the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame against them. Texas Tech over Montana State. Michigan State over Davidson. Duke over CS Fullerton. And then for the round of 32, Gonzaga over Boise State. Vermont, I have them upsetting UConn and advancing to the Sweet 16. Number thir- or 13 seed, Vermont to the Sweet 16. And then I have the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame beating Texas Tech and advancing to the Sweet 16. So that is an 11 seed advancing to the Sweet 16. And then I have Duke beating Tom Izzo one final time. And then I have Gonzaga beating Vermont. The Cinderella story Vermont team will end against Gonzaga. And then I have Duke beating Rutgers and Notre Dame. So my uh, regional final is very square. It's a one versus a two and I'm taking Gonzaga over Duke. So Gonzaga to advance to the Final Four out of the West region. Then if we're going to the East region here, I got Baylor beating Norfolk State. I said I wouldn't be completely shocked if Norfolk State becomes a second 16 seed to win, uh, but I'm not brave enough to put it in my bracket. I got UNC beating Marquette. I have the winner of Wyoming or Indiana beating St. Mary's. I think St. Mary's... uh, uh, being a little bit overrated because of their performance against Gonzaga this year. Uh, UCLA, obviously, to beat uh, Akron. Texas to beat Virginia Tech. As you remember, I said I'm betting on Virginia Tech to win the game, but taking Texas in my bracket because I can't decide, so I'm just going to split them. Uh, Purdue, I have them to beat Yale. Murray State to beat San Francisco. Kentucky to beat St. Peter's. Round of 32, I have Baylor falling to the University of North Carolina, an 8 seed to upset a 1 seed in the second round. I have UCLA to beat the beat Wyoming or Indiana, whoever that is. I have Texas beating Purdue, and I have Kentucky beating Murray State. 
Sweet 16, I have UCLA over New, uh, North Carolina. I have Kentucky over Texas, which means it's a UCLA versus Kentucky uh, Elite Eight matchup, and I will take Kentucky to advance to the Final Four. I told you, the end of my brackets are pretty chalky. Let's move up to the south. I have Arizona, obviously beating uh, the 16 seed there. Um, oh, I for some reason in my bracket of TCU winning. Got to change that. That should be Seton Hall. I thought I changed that over since my rough draft, but I guess I didn't. So I have Seton Hall beating TCU. Um, Houston beating UAB. Illinois beating Chattanooga. Michigan beating Colorado State. Tennessee beating Longwood. Ohio State beating Loyola. Villanova beating Delaware. Round of 32 of Arizona over Seton Hall. Illinois to beat Houston. Which will probably, I wonder, I'd be interested to see what the line would be for that. Um, Tennessee to beat Michigan and Villanova to beat Ohio State. Um, so in this conference, I literally have the 1, 2, 3, 4 seed and I have the 1 and 2 seeds winning. Arizona to beat Illinois, Villanova to beat Tennessee. Which leaves another 1, 2 <laughs> regional final. My bracket is so square, it's embarrassing. Uh, Arizona, this is like, my bracket looks like uh, the bracket that the U.S. president fills out every year, which is just the 1 seeds. Arizona to beat Villanova in the regional final to advance to the final four. You think it's going to get less square in the Midwest? Uh, don't, because it's not. <laughs> Kansas, obviously to win. San Diego State to beat Creighton. Iowa to beat Richmond. Providence to beat South Dakota State. Iowa State to beat LSU. Colgate to beat Wisconsin. So I got Colgate as a 14 seed advancing to the round of 32. USC to beat Miami. And Auburn to beat Jacksonville State. Um, and then the round of 32, I have Kansas to beat San Diego State. I have Iowa beating Providence. I have Colgate beating 11-seed Iowa State to advance to the Sweet 16. So I have a 14-seed in Colgate and a 13-seed in Vermont advancing to the Sweet 16. And then I have Auburn beating USC. I'm not a big lover of Auburn, but they kind of have an easy path, I think, to the uh, to the Elite Eight. Uh, and then I have Auburn beating Colgate. Colgate's Cinderella run comes to an end the same week as Vermont's, the same week, same days as, as Vermont. And then I have Kansas uh, beating Iowa. So then that leaves, once again, a 1-2 seed <laughs> in the Midwest Regional Final. Oh my god, my bracket is square. And then I have Kansas beating Auburn. So my final four is literally three ones and a two. Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Kansas. How ugly is that? Uh, and then I do have, and then I have um, Gonzaga beating. You know what? I'm making a live change right now. I'm making a live change. Making a live change. Number two seed Kentucky. I have them beating Gonzaga. That is a live as I'm recording. Final change to my bracket. Kentucky beats Gonzaga in the final four. Arizona beats Kansas, and then Arizona defeats. The University of Kentucky in the championship game. Your Arizona Wildcats are your 2022 March Madness champions. Um, all right, there's my bracket. It's I apologize for how square it is. I mean, I got some upsets in the first couple rounds, but I mean, usually this is how it turns out. Is usually there are upsets in the first weekend, and then by the time the dust settles, by the time the lead eight comes around, it's usually top seeds uh, that are left standing. I mean, for a for a for a low seed to go on a run and be in the final four, they need to play an A plus game several games in a row, 
which is extremely difficult to do. Some of these better, more talented, more skills team, skilled teams, they can win some of these games, especially early in the tournament, if they have a B-rated game, if they have a B-plus-rated game. Um, but these high-C teams, they need to have an A-plus top performance back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, which is almost impossible. So that's why my brackets usually end up pretty chalky by the end because I just I, like there's no low there's no high or low seated tier hot low, <laughs> low there's no low seated teams that I trust uh, to be able to kind of put on those back to back to back performances if there is one I mean Vermont maybe but Vermont would have to get by Gonzaga I'd have Vermont going deeper if they didn't have to face Gonzaga in the Sweet Sixteen. If they're in the East, I might have them go a little further. I think UCLA could end up in the Final Four as a four seed. I'm trying to look through my bracket here, see any other potential teams I could go on a run. UNC, if UNC sharpens up a little bit defensively, they could go on a run. Iowa as a five seed could go on a run. Houston as a five seed could certainly go on a run. Illinois might be able to even get by Arizona, although Arizona beat them earlier in the year, but that'd be interesting. Yeah, there's there's really no seeds past Houston as a five that I really can see being in the final four. But I'm sure I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll that'll come back to haunt me and it'll be like three double digit seeded teams in the final four. But we'll see. That's my bracket. We'll see how it goes. Thank you all for listening. Best of luck with your March Madness brackets. With your March Madness bets for the first weekend. What I'm gonna do is for the four games that. Obviously, the matchups aren't set yet because of the first four games. I will tweet out my picks for that. For for Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to go on some kind of live stream giving out my picks. I don't know exactly what platform that will be, but I will at least tweet out those live streams. And I will give out my picks the morning on Saturday and the morning on Sunday. And then I will record a podcast next week talking about uh, the Sweet 16. So keep an eye out for that. Subscribe if you haven't already. Rate it, review it, all that good stuff that helps us out. Thank you all for listening. Best of luck. I'll talk to you all this weekend, I guess. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.